Okay, so uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined by a special guest, Dave Hudson, the survey man. Uh, the guy you know from the Oklahoma State survey, it's been it's made the rounds this week. Barry Trammell's written an article about it. I know him as OKC Dave. I, I, in fact, Dave, I was I was going through my phone to, to text you, and I typed in Dave Hudson, and it didn't pop up. I, I was like, oh, yeah, I got I to type in OKC Dave. How did the OKC Dave moniker come about, first off? Uh, you know, I think that was early days of Twitter, uh, and I, you know, I mean, I wanted something a little bit more unique than just my my name so I mean kind of <laughs> like you have uh I think your Instagram handle is what uh Carson going ham or something like that it's kind of the <laughs> same thing. Right, I, wanted, yeah. I, wanted I wanted I wanted something a little unique so uh you know not that that's that unique but okay CD Dave seemed like a good fit so it just kind of rolls off the tongue I've always liked it I, I didn't really know how it came about but that's that's interesting so Dave obviously does the Oklahoma State survey. He's been doing it more than a decade. We're going to get his thoughts on some of the results and, and kind of just get his insight to how he does this survey and all those things. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Man, we're 15 days away, I believe. Yes, 15 days away from Oklahoma State kicking off in Stillwater. Six o'clock kick against Missouri State. Always a great time of year. You know, the students are on campus. It's a, it was one of my favorite times of the year when I was a student at Oklahoma State. It was that first kickoff. So stop by Chris's, get your gear, and get ready for football season because I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. So, Dave, tell me about when you first started this survey. Why did you do it? How did you come up with the idea? And just kind of give me some background on how this came to be because it's really, it really is one of those things that kind of get us you know, ready and, and, and able to, to get ready for football season. Well, I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, so it was back in 2007. I was um, a member of the Rivals message board, which is now that O-State Illustrated. And uh, I was kind of a poster on that side and everything. And so people were kind of tossing out, you know, expectations for the season. You know, it was around this time of year and people were throwing out, you know, how many wins we thought we'd get and stuff like that. And so I'm really, I mean, as anyone who follows me knows, knows I'm kind of, you know, an Excel nerd, kind of a data, data guy. And I, I love all of that, you know, the advanced stats stuff. Like I think you've mentioned Bill Connolly before on the site, things like that. So I, I really wanted to throw together something that would really capture what the fans thought as a whole. I, I do think there is um, some value in looking at the expectations for the fan base as a whole. Um, I think you, I think it, I mean, you, the survey has kind of, uh, uh, proven over time that the fans are fairly accurate whenever you take, you know, six this year with 1600 people and, and ask them how many wins we're going to have, it tends to be fairly accurate. So there's kind of a wisdom of the crowd element to this that I wanted to capture. And so I started a, um, I started a survey, but it was very small back in 2007, asked a few questions and, and I put it out there and it's kind of grown over time. So uh, it's something that takes a lot of work, uh, takes a lot of hours every time, every year, but I, I really do enjoy it. And then I get pretty good feedback on it. People seem to enjoy it. So yeah, it's great. And it's, it's gotten really extensive. As you mentioned, it's really grown in terms of just all of the questions and you, you had to add conference realignment this year, which I want to get into in a little bit, but how has it evolved from like that first survey in 2007 to now? Is it the same process? Is it the same Excel spreadsheet or has, as the poll has grown, how, how much has it changed? 
Well, I, I am able to, I, I do like having some continuity on the questions um, from year to year because you can kind of gauge over time how things have changed. So I try not to change some of the core questions. I do leave the same. I don't know if they're the exact same going back to 2007 or not, but I, I've had the same kind of core group of questions for, for quite a while. But I do, every year, I do like to introduce some new components. And, you know, I, I, one, I think one of my favorite questions I ever asked was like the Mount, Rush, Mount Rushmore of OSU sports. Um, and had people vote on that. One, one year I asked, like, if you had a, if you were putting together a, a foursome to play golf, you know, it, with OSU uh, personalities, who, who would you include? So stuff like that I've, I've enjoyed. So this year, yeah, obviously uh, realignment was the main, the topic that was uh, kind of topic of the, of the day. And then uh, I also threw in a, an extra question about Spencer Sanders. And, you know, I, I, I like to kind of try to gauge uh, something a little bit different every year uh, while also including kind of the core stuff that I always include. Yeah, it's, it's really great stuff. And, you know, Barry Trammell has, has latched onto it too. I'm, I'm just, just a huge fan of Barry. He's one of the best, one of the best humans you'll ever meet. And he's really picked up on your, on your survey. And, and now Dave, he, he calls you a friend. He's like my friend, Dave Hudson. I mean, uh, when you started this poll, did you ever dream that, that Barry Trammell would be uh, breaking it down on the Oklahoman? No, I did not. And I, I got to give a little credit to um, actually friend of the pod, uh, Zach Robinson, uh, the golfer, not the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, know Zach. Uh, I, I work with Zach uh, and um, and Zach and Barry had been kind of corresponding about my colder and golf uh, for a story that Barry was doing a while back. And um, and so Zach invited me along and we actually have uh, have breakfast or lunch with Barry a couple times a year. I uh, just kind of talk about sports and life and whatever so i mean I, I i love that he does call me a friend i guess i consider him a friend it's pretty great yeah it's it's uh and, and obviously i love every time he uh he writes about it. and this year he he mentioned that i was a, a sharp guy which i was like i'm getting a lot of uh love for that here at work people are like uh, <laughs> call, call me sharp guy and all that kind of stuff so yeah, yeah i saw you you screen grab that and put it on twitter you need to like frame that like put it put it on your desk like anyone that, that doubts your credentials at, at your at your job just like well, barry, barry says i'm sharp yeah. i don't know what you're talking about yeah it's, it's going on linkedin for sure yeah <laughs> yeah put that on the linkedin page well let's get into the survey i guess before we do that though dave i mean it's it's unsettling times for for an oklahoma state guy like yourself who's followed the school for for eons i mean just ou and texas going to the sec obviously is a, a death knell in my opinion to the big 12 but just what are your thoughts on that? And just how do you think Oklahoma State's going to end up with all this going on? I'm pretty scared. Um, I, I mean, I, I've listened to all of your podcasts and agree generally with what you're saying about OSU being in, in a, you know, relatively speaking, a good position relative to the eight re kind of remaining members of the conference. But it's it's, it's still not a good position. I mean, uh, you know, these conferences, um, you know, you hear a lot, well, you know, the Pac-12 is a good fit. Like, yeah, kind of. But I mean, the Pac-12 doesn't have to expand. I mean, I, I hope that they do. Um, you know, same way with the Big Ten. I, I don't, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do respond to it. You know, I, I know there's all these alliances forming and you hear stories about that. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm worried. I, I am. Um, I, I do think OSU, I'm very thankful to Holder and Pickens and Gundy for putting us in a position where we are, you know, have a pretty strong position, uh, strong TV audience and all that. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a scary position to be in. I think you guys I covered it on that last podcast where you're talking about how, you know, Rutgers found their way 
you know, into the big 10 and all that money and, and, you know, has really has no business being there and, and we do, but I just don't know how it's going to shake out. So I think, I think we're going to be nervous for a while. Yeah, I think you're right. And it is, it is scary because they're running out of spots in the big conferences because, because of teams like Rutgers, but I do think the PAC 12 Dave has to expand. I mean, their TV contract is coming up, I believe in three years, which would, which would really pair nicely with Oklahoma State and some of the schools remaining in the Big 12. They could hold OU and Texas's feet to the fire mm-hmm. and make them stick around in a league they don't want to be in, wait for the Pac-12 TV contract to come up, then sign a new one and, and join that conference. Maybe that's that's to me is like the perfect scenario. I, I would love to see OU and Texas sticking around in a lame duck conference, just dying to get to the SEC and not be able to, but I'm, I'm doubtful that actually happens, but I, I do think the Pac-12 has to do something, Dave, because they're, they're a distant fifth and they're, they're an afterthought. They're not on TV until 3.30 Eastern time. So I, I do think they have to do something. And I don't think the Big Ten really is going to just add them to their league. I, I, I agree that they, they – I, I would agree with you generally that they need to do something. However, I mean, I think you, you mentioned this, that you know, I kinda, USC is kind of the Texas of the Pac-12. And yeah. maybe there's some other kind of power brokers there too, and convincing them, okay, we're going to go add uh, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. You know, we're we're going to divide our pie even more um, by adding some teams that kind of marginally give you a little bit more television audience. I don't know. I, I, I'm just maybe maybe we have to uh, you know cut ourselves a little bit uh, of a raw deal to get in there. You know, a little smaller slice of the pie. I don't know, but um, I don't know it. I, I tell you that I, I'm confident in our leadership. I think, uh, you know, Casey Shrum and uh, Chad Weiberg are, are good leaders to have right now. But uh, but I, I do think we're going to be nervous for a while. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm curious how that plays out. And you're right. SC probably doesn't want to add Oklahoma State to their conference. But if the if the Pac-12 commissioner goes to them and says, hey, your Fox is willing to pay for this because you're in the, the Western Mountain and Central time zones, you could be on TV all day, maybe – Maybe that improves their TV deal because their TV deal is yeah. not great right now. So that's that's the hope. But let, Dave, let's get into the survey. And you, you mentioned that how accurate your survey has been and, and continues to be. And I, that's one of my favorite things about the survey, Dave, is, is OSU fans are so rational when it comes to wins and losses. They're not sitting there going, we're going 12-0 and 0 every year, like maybe like an Auburn you know, fan base would be. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, Barry, Barry we're going to go through Barry Trammell's article. And uh, he says OSU fans projected uh, 8.3 regular season wins, their highest since 2017. I, I think that sounds about right, Dave, but that you're, you're so correct in that OSU fans seem to be pretty rational about wins and losses. They do. I mean, if you look at the, at the kind of results, it's, it's really evenly split between eight or nine wins. It's kind of, you know, the, the most uh, likely outcomes, which I think is about right for this year. You know, one thing, you know, the way I ask, I don't just ask people how many wins are we going to have this year? Because what, what people tend to do when you do that is they kind of chalk up in their mind, well, you know, we're going to beat West Virginia. Uh, we're going to beat Baylor, et cetera. Uh, and so that's just a win. And, and then they, if you, if you kind of go through the season like that, all of a sudden you're at nine or 10 wins. But, but what I ask people instead is, you know, what's the percentage chance of winning each game? And so whenever West Virginia goes from, oh, we're going to win to uh, maybe a 65% chance. Well, <laughs> what that what that does is, you know, when, when you model the season uh, 10,000 times in Excel, like I do, you know, that that's, you know, if you do that 100 times, that's, you know, 65 wins and 35 losses. So, so those, what I'm, point I'm trying to make is 
those kind of marginal uh, games kind of add up in, in the models. And it does make it a little more, I think, reliable as a you know, predicting tool long term. Um, so, yeah, but but all that said, it, it is remarkable. I think I've done this for, you know, 14 years and we're only like one or two games off of the you know predicted versus actual uh, wins uh, if, you, if you add them all up. So it's uh, it's pretty it has it has proven to be pretty accurate and it kind of makes me think, well, I mean, I guess we are destined for 89 wins this year. I would love to say 11, uh, but I just I, it's hard to see that happening. Is that what you answered? Or I guess is that, is that, what, you, is, is that what your percentage total added up to about what? Eight, no, eight I think I was, I, I would say I was probably right around eight as well. So, yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I, I kind of go back and forth. I, as you've probably heard on the podcast, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on OSU. I think they're going to surprise some people, but um, it's well, crazy. Okay. Let, if you don't mind me steering for a second, okay. you, know, you say you're, you say you're bullish. Here, here, here's what I thought was interesting. You know, fans are pretty bullish too. It, you know, they, they did come out to eight or nine wins, but then also, People picked us second in the conference and, and a six, number 16 overall finish, which is, you know, significantly higher than where we're starting the season. So yet uh, Spencer Sanders, whenever I did the quarterback ranking, was kind of smack dab in the middle, kind of in that shelf and Walsh territory. I mean, I, I don't think people are, are all that fired up about Spencer Sanders. And uh, I'm not I mean, to be frank, I don't know that he deserves to be ranked in that at that level. I think some of that's still optimism for the future. Uh, I don't think he's achieved at that level on the field yet. So I, I think that's kind of interesting that here we are going into a season that fans are pretty, pretty bullish on. Uh, and yet we have a quarterback that people are not super confident about. So I don't well, know. It's, to me, it's, it's just, you gotta be cautious, right? You can't sit here and say, well, Spencer's going to figure it out. Cause we haven't really seen that he's played in 14 big 12 games. He's thrown, uh, I believe it's 19 touchdowns to 18 interceptions. That's, that's not great. And that's that's the reason that I think people are picking most likely eight wins, because if he figures that out, boom, I think that defense and skill talent they have that are that are young players and unproven, but really good. That's why I think their ceiling to me, they have the highest ceiling of any team not named OU in Iowa State, but their floor <laughs> is pretty low. That they they've got they've got multiple basements, I think, if if Sanders either yeah. gets hurt or continues to turn the ball over. But just Dave, just real quick on the wins too. In, in 2011, the fans predicted nine and a half, which I do remember that preseason. We were like, oh yeah, I mean, Blackman was great last year. Whedon's back. Like they're going to be pretty good. But like we did not see like big 12 champion, Fiesta Bowl champion good that year. No, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, for, for an OSU fan base to pick nine and a half wins, I, I think that's like, that's, that's talk, speaking about ceilings. That's probably about as high as you're going to get going into a season. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, yeah. Please give us a repeat of that. I would love to see that. <clears throat> yep. So uh, OU, OSU, a 28% chance of winning Bedlam seems high and a 49% chance of beating Iowa state seems high, which I don't know, Dave, that, that kind of, belies the fact that it was 8.3 on the on the win total if it like i i'm kind of surprised iowa state's all the way up to about a 50 50. well let me talk about hang on going back to ou real quick you said 28 percent seems high and uh that, that's the lowest that that number has ever been on the survey for a bedlam game and i'm including oh, wow. road i'm including road games there so usually like when we're on the road against ou it's it comes in around like 33 percent 30 percent something like that um, it's a, so in, in home games, I mean, as recently as 2000, 
2017, it was above 50-50. People had it 54%. In 2013, it was 66%. So like two-thirds of fans said we were going to beat OU in 2013 for a home game. And so we got a home game at 28%. I mean, what what I think that shows you is fans are kind of, I mean, there's always going to be that that group that is optimistic about that game. But I mean, that's getting smaller and smaller. I mean, fans are just giving up on it, you know? kind of well, sad Lincoln Riley keeps stomping on any hope of, of winning that game <laughs> yeah and, and my Gundy's game planning yeah, yeah well yeah I mean last year I think killed a lot of hope because I, I do think the year before um I think it was the year before yeah with with cornball I think that he, he pulled out all the stops I mean that was a, a back and forth yeah. game they, they really went for it and then gosh they just went back into that shell so it, what's weird though dave is osu's had more success winning that game in norman than they have in stillwater which is kind of crazy yeah that's true yeah um maybe maybe it's more gundy feeling like nothing to lose minus i, I don't know it's i don't want to get into his psychology i have no idea but uh, you know what i i think that's interesting though people kind of giving up on bedlam i i kind of wonder if that leads into you know i asked about realignment um should we continue the bedlam football series and you know, 72 and a half percent of people said, no, we should not. I think part of that's just emotions right now. And, you know, um, you know how people feel about OSU or OU leaving the conference. But I, I also kind of wonder, you know, let's say Gundy had had a 50-50 record against OU. I, I'm guessing that, you know, people might say, yes, we should continue it. You know, I mean, bottom line, we're just tired of losing, you know, so we don't want to continue the series. I think that's that might play into that number a little bit, too. Yeah, I'm sure it does play into it. Just for me, I, th- I think you it, it's far less for me about wins and losses as it is a business partner. And OSU has been in business with Oklahoma for over 100 years. And you don't continue to do business with someone who pulls the mo- the business, to, the shrewd business maneuver that Oklahoma did and, and really crushes your own business. So you're not going to stay in business with that person in any shape or form. That's how I look at it. Now, I'm sure fans are tired of losing to Oklahoma, but I just, I wonder, Dave, if they have to keep playing them for, you know, this is all about TV contracts. If they have that Bedlam game on there, they can point to data and say, look, we're guaranteeing you, you know, two, two point whatever million viewers for this game, maybe even more if we're both ranked. So I, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky scenario. How do how do you view if they should play Bedlam or not? You know, I think I answered no, uh, just because I'm, you know, despite the fact that I love spreadsheets, I'm also kind of an emotional person when it comes to Bedlam as well. And and I, I agree with you. It makes me, you know, pretty upset that uh, OU is kind of pulling this stunt and leaving us uh, high and dry. Uh, I, I kind of blame Texas a little bit more than OU, but still. Um, but, uh, you, you know, I mean, if you look at, I also asked, should we continue the Bedlam series in other sports aside from football? And it was 50-50 there, split evenly. And I mean, it's hard because I, I love, you know, I, growing up, I know you're the same way, loving going to watch Bedlam basketball, Gallagher Iva, or going to watch Bedlam baseball, you know, whenever they would come to Oklahoma City and Tulsa. And um, so it's hard to imagine not having the Bedlam series. Uh, so I, I, here, here's what I think will happen is that we will, you know, I'm obviously we're going to play out whatever contract we, we can in football, but um, I, I would guess maybe they'll, you know, not play for a while and then it, it'll kind of continue down the road. Um, I, I just it's hard to imagine long term not playing uh, a Bedlam series in, in, in all sports. But uh, but I understand why people don't want to don't want to play it right now. I mean, I think your, your point is valid. Yeah, I agree. And <clears throat> to me, it just depends on if if they get into a power five and if they do, there's really no reason to play that game. But 
a lot of a lot of time and a lot of things to shake out before we we decide whether that'll actually happen or not. And um, one of the things I, I I just love how you're able to update this year to year. And you asked fans about doc, uh, Dr. Casey Shrum's public and critical statements about OU leaving, and 52% of fans strongly agreed. And I, I thought it'd be more than that, but uh, 27 just checked agree. So that's, yeah. that's interesting. I mean, that's, that's pretty strong numbers if you add those two numbers up. You know, I, I think, uh, I mean, I, there, you know, there was some criticism of uh, Dr. Shrum, probably not m mostly from OSU people, but just in the general media, I know about that she was kind of um, being a crybaby or whatever with those comments. So maybe some people, maybe there were some people that agreed with that. Uh, but I mean, if you add up the agree and strongly agree numbers, it was very strong support for her for comments. And, and you know, I think, I think, uh, I mean, a tough time to start as president, but I think she kind of needed to do that to kind of rally support a little bit among the fan base. So I, I, I agree. I approve of her. I think it was a job well done personally. I was kind of surprised she went back in again. Like I, I understood the first few statements and then she just kept tweeting like a few days later. I was, I was a little surprised she went back in on them, but yeah, it's, it's public relations. It's public affair. I mean, I think, I, I think she's trying to, calm everyone down and say, look, we're going to be fine. And I, I, I do agree with her, her sentiment, but she did, she did go in on, on OU quite a bit. And I, I do think it's funny, Dave, because you know, Bob Stoops kind of clapped back on, on Twitter and he, he was on the sports animal this week. And he, he basically bemoaned the fact that the big 12 doesn't have a TV network. Well, why is that? It's because OU and Texas didn't want one when Kevin Weiberg was the big 12 commissioner. They're, they're the two big dogs. They didn't want to split, split evenly because they, they made more money, frankly, than the rest of the schools. And that's why schools left. And that's why they don't have a TV network. So this, this idea that the Big 12 just left behind because they didn't have a TV network, that, that's Oklahoma and Texas's fault. And that's where I, that's where I have kind of harsh feelings about the, the way this all went down because Texas and OU crippled the league by not allowing the, a network. And now they're leaving because of that. So I just, I don't know, that, that goes all over me. I totally agree. And uh, I, I blame Texas a bit more than OU there. I think, you know, Texas obviously had the Longhorn Network. And I think OU is basically saying, well, hey, if they got that, then, you know, we, we need to get our, you know, our larger revenue share uh, as well. Um, and so, uh, yeah, but I mean, if, if it had been an even revenue split, you know, across the board from day one, I think we still have, you know, Nebraska and Missouri and A&M and Colorado in the league, and we still have a, a strong Big 12. Um, maybe I'm a little naive there. I don't know. But but yeah, you're exactly right. They are the ones that created the set of conditions that allowed them to or to that are now that they're saying are the reasons they're leaving the conference. Really, really frustrating for yeah. the remaining eight, you know. Yeah, yeah totally. And you did get into realignment. Uh, fans voted for the Big Ten at 61% as their desired destination for OSU. Pac-12 got 21%. Expanded Big 12, 10%. And then ACC5, AAC1. Um, seems like fans are hopeful, Dave, about the Big Ten, but they're not exactly, you know, they don't, they don't think it's going to happen because the fans also said the most likely destination by 53% was, was the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And I think that's where I mean, well, that is where most of us uh, see it. I think a, a survey says that, uh, I mean, I, I would love to be in the big 10. I mean, you, I think you're, uh, um, you and Colby said that the, you know, big 10 without the Texas schools would be the best, uh, best outcome. Oh, and, sign me up, sign me up. Yeah, Dave. It'd be fantastic. But yeah, I just think it's so unlikely to happen. I, you know, 
part of, you know, Dr. Shrum coming back in and, uh, and saying, you know, pounding home the land grant university, you know, institution, I think, um, I mean, that, that would be what I would be doing too, is, you know, signaling to the big 10, you know, Hey, you know, we can't all be, um, you know, we, we serve a different demographic here at Oklahoma State, and uh, we do the best, you know, we can for those for these kids coming from rural Oklahoma or whatever uh, to educate them. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't we can't be a fit in your athletic conference. So I, I just don't think the Big Ten is going to be receptive. To that it doesn't seem like they are. So, I mean, that while that would be a great outcome, I think any outcome in a power five would be would be great. And so I think that's what fans are saying is like, hey, we'd love to go to the Big Ten, probably not going to happen. So Pac-12 Pac does seem to be most likely because, as you said, they're, they are the weakest remaining conference. So Yeah, just uh, the Big 12 weak, Pac-12 weak. To me, that partnership, I think they both get stronger by, by joining forces. Now that that would leave some teams out in the Big 12, but mm -hmm. again, we'll, have to, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, <laughs> True sign of the times in 2021, your survey included about uh, a poll on who was vaccinated and 73% uh, of the survey said they were vaccinated for COVID, which is much higher than the, the state's rate, Dave. It is. I mean, I, I did point out there that I was, I was kind of shocked at that number uh, whenever I, it, I first was looking at the results. Like that's a big number, but, but then I kind of did a little digging and uh, I did find a, I think it was like a link to a census us census bureau site that had vaccination rate breakout by several, you know, de demographic categories, one of them being education. And so um, those that had at least, you know, a bachelor's degree um, had, had a significantly higher vaccination rate, you know, nationwide. And so my, my guess there is, is that, you know, most people that are OSU fans are graduates of the school. I mean, we don't have as many, you know, kind of at-large fans as say maybe an OU would. And so, um, so, you know, most people are college educated. Most people are getting vac vaccinations, uh, you know, so I, I think that's kind of where, where that strong number comes in, but it did lead to some interesting results on you know, potentially what policies uh, the university might take on attending games this year. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, but, you know, as obviously the, you know, COVID numbers continue to be high, I mean, might they require masks? Might they require proof of vaccination? I have no idea, but, um, you know, that, that was an interesting result. Uh, so remains to be seen uh, what, uh, what policy they're going to implement down the road. Yeah, it's surprising we haven't really heard any mandates yet have we? I mean, we they haven't put a mask mandate they haven't put a vaccination card mandate out so i you know we're getting close to the season i'm kind of surprised we haven't heard but it was interesting that 18 percent said they would cancel their tickets if they were required proof 24 percent said they would stay home 26 percent just said they would be angry 15 percent said they would buy more tickets 48 percent said they'd be annoyed 39 percent said they'd be pleased and 49 percent would feel safer at games that's just kind of the Sign of the times. I mean, everyone has an opinion. Everyone's going to have feelings about that, but we'll have to wait and see uh, what OSU implements in terms of, you know, requirements. But Dave, I'll, I kind of want to skip through this a little bit quicker. Yeah. Uh, the survey predicted Big 12 finish, OU1, OSU2. I wanted to hit on that real quick before we move on to, to Gundy and, and the basketball program because, you know, 8.3 wins doesn't necessarily equate to number number two in the conference. So it's it's like they're the fans are being reasonable here, yet optimistic as well. This always happens. Always happens. So Does it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, every year it's it's eight wins or it's seven wins or it's nine wins, whatever the case may be, and people will pick us higher in these standings and in the predicted final AP poll or whatever. 
than than those number of wins would suggest. So it's kind of funny. I, I think people when they're going through game by game and they're doing the fifty percent, sixty percent, you know, forty percent. They, that forces them to be a little more realistic. But then when it comes down to, hey, what, where do you think we're going to finish? Hey, we'll be number two in the conference. That sounds about right. So right behind um, OU. Sounds right. <laughs> but hey, you know what? It's August. We're optimistic. I mean, to me, that's that's a sign of a healthy fan base. We shouldn't be picking us fourth. I mean, come on. Let's, you know, that, that, that's yeah. totally fine. That's totally What's fine. What's the fun in that? Come yeah. on. Yeah. It's it's optimistic season right before the first game. Then they play the first game and they go three and out on the first three series. And then you're back to, ah, we're like fifth best in the league. So <laughs> that's just kind of how it goes. Exactly. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I, I did want to get into, and this is what, you know, Trammell wrote an article. I think I haven't read it yet, but he wrote about how Gundy's got a better relationship with his players. And according to this survey, it's he's rebounding in, in, in fan popularity. I His popularity had to be at an all-time low last summer when you know the chuba hubbard thing came about the, the all the flirtation with the other jobs over the years the fact they didn't have a great season but it does seem like he's reinvigorated dave by the by mike holder moving on boone pickens no longer around and it seems like he has a better relationship with his players and and the fan base yeah i mean yes i think it's important to note that last year this survey came out you know kind of um in the midst of all that, you know, Chuba Hubbard stuff that was going on. And that was pretty polarizing. I mean, I think it, I think some fans were very happy with him and, and uh, gained some support, but a lot of fans were turned off by that. So, uh, so that his numbers last year were all time low in terms of approval. So uh, it, was it, it's it? not, what was his numbers last year? Oh, um, I'd have to flip back and see. Um, 78% this year for, for context, which is, which is really good. Yeah. I think it was, I can look that up. Gundy's approval was 68% last year. So I'm impressed you looked that up that quickly. Well, I I do have a chart here that's got all the years. And I mean, (laughs) he was up at 98% for, you know, back in 2015 and 16, 99% to, you know, 2012, which is right after the the conference championship season. So, you know, Boynton is up there now. He's up at 96%. Gundy is at 78, which is an increase over last year, but yeah, I mean, it is important to remember what was going on last year. Uh, so it's you would expect to see a, a rebound this year. Um, but yeah, and I agree, he does seem re- reinvigorated. But haven't we had this talk before? I feel like I feel like he goes through cycles where he feels, you know, he's cranky with the media and stuff, and then he and then all of a sudden he's you know easygoing Mike. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's good. Um, but he bottom really line, does. Is, he's kind of games. a roller coaster. You're right. Like a, a, whenever he had that. That contract dispute right after the 2011 season, he was kind of a a, grunt, a grouchy Gus, and then then they they won big, and then they were terrible. Like he kind of he kind of goes by how good the team is too, Dave. I think I think he likes this team this year too, which which certainly helps. But the yeah. big winner, yeah. the big winner of your survey is clearly Mike Boynton. You mentioned it, 96 percent his approval rating, 98 percent said they will make the NCAA tournament, and I think this survey accurately uh, displays Dave just. What a role Mike Boynton's on. His, I've, I've said his approval rating is probably the, the highest on campus, and your survey certainly backs that up. It does. I mean, he jumped. Uh, John Smith has held that title for, I think, three or four years, and he – I mean, it's just marginal. It's He barely beat John Smith, but he beat John Smith, you know. I That's mean, hard to do. Someone who's won. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy to do. And so Mike Boynton, uh, you know, despite the fact that – I mean, he, he needs to win some more games. I think we all would agree uh, on that. But – I mean, he's just, 
I mean, I, 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 how can you not love Mike Boynton? He's as optimistic as a guy as there is. Uh, he works hard. Uh, incredible, I think, ambassador for OSU. Obviously, he's an amazing recruiter. Uh, how can you not be excited for OSU basketball? So I think, you know, that's what you want to see. And, uh, you know, we, we have, you know, long-suffering OSU basketball fans that, you know, Travis Ford, I, I, I mean, I kind of feel for him in a way because I know he was working so hard, but he just was never able to kind of capture the fan base. And Mike Boynton has done that in a relatively short period of time. So it's so impressive. It, it, it really is. And just you spend five minutes with the guy and you can just see why. Like he's just he's so charismatic. He's obviously just lighting it up and recruiting, which obviously excites a fan base as well. And, and so much so I didn't think I, like you would ask me this five years ago. I would have said you're insane that the fan base 30 percent said they were looking they were most looking forward to basketball season, whereas football season only drew 29%. So it's, it's been such a dramatic shift, Dave, that people are looking ahead to basketball season more than football. And I, I never thought we'd see that again. Well, I know it reminds me of when, you know, I was a kid and, you know, you'd sit there at, at uh, Lewis field in November and it'd be cold. And, you know, you're, I, I, rem I, I remember looking over to Gallagher, but thinking, well, at least basketball season's coming around, you know, because football was so bad. And so, Good thing is now football is good, uh, but basketball is, you know, coming back up to that level. It's a good, I mean, it's a great, great thing to see. Um, and, you know, one thing I wanted to point out on Boynton, so he's at 96% approval and he's been at 90 or above for four years. I mean, his first season was the only one. And, it, and at that point, it was just people were just not sure about it. But Travis Ford got to a low of 7% approval in 2015, the year before he was fired. So it is, uh, it's been, I mean, uh, yes, we'd all love to see more winning on the court, and I think it'll come. But uh, it's it's been a great ride. Uh, finally, we have some things to be excited about for OSU basketball. Hey, one thing I want to point out, though, is 89% of people said that they believe that the NCAA will, you know, allow, essentially allow OSU, will rule that OSU can play in the postseason this year. Because we still, right now, can't. You know, we're, we're under the postseason ban. I thought that was incredibly high. Um given OSU's history with the NCAA and while it makes sense that we would be, you know, that they would kind of uh, release us from that uh, penalty. I don't, I don't know that they will. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard because common sense would say, well, look at what LSU and Kansas have been doing and they're, they're not getting the hammer, but OSU got the hammer for far less egregious penalties and it just, it just seems like there's never any justice with NCAA. You go all the way back to the Des Bryant thing. So I, yeah. I would not be 89%. I, I'm, I'm fearful they're going to try to stick it to them again and that it's going to turn into a courtroom battle and they'll appeal it and then eventually it'll, it'll go away. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, OSU did play in the tournament this year. So that, that, that may be why the, the number is so high at 89%. But I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't have any faith that – the NCAA will look at it at face value. Like all the national basketball writers were just aghast that OSU got the penalties they got, but it didn't stop the NCAA. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm a little more dubious that, that it's just going to go away. Let me ask you this. What, are, are you concerned at all? I mean, conference realignment is all about football, no question. But given that we are so excited about the future of basketball and Mike Boynton and all that, how concerned are you for the basketball program? I mean, if we are, if we are not in a power five conference, um, does that give you concern about our ability to kind of keep 
uh, Mike Boyden, who's going to be getting a lot of, and probably is already getting a lot of attention. I know we just signed him to a contract, but still uh, our, our ability to kind of keep him on campus and keep the momentum going. Um, what, yeah, what are your thoughts I mean, on I'm, that? I'm always concerned because for me, it's a money deal. I mean, I just think not being in a power five just, just cripples your athletic department financially. But I will say I would be less concerned about basketball as I would football because you just look at some of the powerhouse programs in college basketball, like a Gonzaga, like a mm-hmm. Wichita State's been really good in a, a non-power five. I, I just think basketball is a, little, a bit more ubiquitous in that you don't have to be in a power five. You can just schedule up. I think OSU would, would load up their schedule, which they, they frankly are already doing, playing Houston yeah, again. True. They just announced this week. So I would be far less concerned from a, from a basketball standpoint, but I, I certainly would be concerned, you know, with – the finances and, and the finances it takes, frankly, for Mike Boynton to, to fly around and, and do all the recruiting. The recruiting budget for me would be the biggest concern. Right. Yeah. Good point. So, uh, I think you put this question about quarterbacks in here just to just to drop the hammer on Marshall Scott for our debate between Brandon Whedon and, and Mason Rudolph, which I, I really appreciate. And it's fans, not even a debate. I mean, I'm sorry. It's not a debate. Yeah. It's not. He's mostly just doing a doing a hot take just to rile people up. But he, he brings up. You know, it's, it's hard to argue, like, if his argument is always going to be Mason had a terrible offensive line, well, then we, we can't even have a discussion. That's basically all he ever brings up, and their defense stunk, I guess. But but no surprise, Brandon Whedon, number one, uh, Mason Rudolph, two, Zach Robinson, three, Clint Shell four. Love that. Spencer Sanders, five, uh, J.W. Walsh, six, Cornball, seven, Bobby Reed, eight, Dak, Dax Garman making the list over Al Pena. Poor Al Pena. He, he <laughs> couldn't even beat out Dax. I mean, that's, that's hard, but uh, no surprise for you, right, that, that Whedon's won. You said it was no debate. It, it's not a debate. I mean, he's the best quarterback. I mean, the, the way I phrased that question was, what quarterback would you be most confident with, like, going into a season, right? And how could you ever – I mean, I'm sorry. Like, Rudolph was a, obviously a great quarterback, and he's still in the NFL. But how could you – be more confident with Mason Rudolph trotting out there on the field than Brandon Whedon. It's just, it's, it's inconceivable to me. So, I mean, I, I, I was maybe a little more down on Rudolph than others while he was playing. I, I, he always made me a little bit nervous. I always kind of questioned like his decision-making at times. And um, you know, he was prone to making some inter- you know, throwing some interceptions and fumbling and things like that. I, I just felt so much more confident when Brandon Whedon was out there. So uh, I, he's a very clear number one to me. I was glad to see Rob. I mean, and Rudolph was, is a clear two. I mean, to be, to be fair to him, I, I was glad to see Zach come in at three uh, fan favorites. Um, and then, yeah, I did kind of point out that they, you do have to kind of break them into tiers. So that Chelf Sanders Walsh are essentially tied. I mean, they're, they're, they're all kind of in a pack there. So which I think is fair. And Sanders, I think he could play himself above that tier. He could also play himself below that. I mean, he could end up being, you know, down there with kind of the Cornelius uh, Bobby Reed territory. I hope he doesn't, but I, I, it's possible. See, I would, I would probably put Whedon and Rudolph in a, in a tier. Uh, I, I kind of think Chelf in Robinson or in a tier together. And then I would go down a, a third tier to Sanders, Walsh, Cornelius. I think I really would. I, I think Clint Shelf, I, I've made this joke many times and I've, I will, will think about this anytime Shelf's name comes up. I think Clint Shelf gets up in the morning, brushes teeth, looks in the mirror and just says, why couldn't we get a stop? How did Blake Bell oh, hurdle Caleb Lady? How did Justin Gilbert not catch that interception? I would have two rings 
two rings if my defense could get a stop. He led game-winning drives in two Bedlam games to win Big 12 championships. I, I kind of think that elevates him a, t- a tier. I, I agree with you. I think oh, a couple of things. One, just like this week, I was texting with a, a longtime OSU friend about the 2013 game and how Justin Gilbert, you know, I mean, it's still, it's still painful eight years later, you know? Um, so yeah, I totally agree with you. He did everything he needed to do in, in both of those games we're talking about um, on the road, you know, taking OU to overtime on the road. Uh, but I, I think he gets hurt a little bit in these ratings because Gundy couldn't decide what to do with him. I mean, he was splitting time with, with Walsh, you know? Um, and so I think, but, but I agree with you. He's a winner. I mean, he's kind of like Zach to me. I, I think he's in a tier with Zach. Both of those guys achieved probably about as much as they could athletically, given the bodies that they had, you know, and, uh, and they were winners. And so I, I kind of agree with you that, I mean, it's, it's, it's a clear, one, two with uh, Whedon and Rudolph. And then I would agree with you that Robinson and Walsh, I'm sorry, and uh, Chelf are in a tier uh, or probably should be in a tier there as well. I now, think, I think, Sand- I, think Chelf- I think some, I think, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think Sanders doesn't really belong up there with Chelf yet. Um, but again, that's just optimism. And that's totally fine. I mean, that's good for people to be optimistic about our quarterback. I just don't think he's there right now. Yeah, I think I think Sanders kind of has TBD next to his name. I think that this year can elevate him to the the Shelf or even the Robinson tier for me, depending on on how it plays out. But I I, I kind of think Clint Shelf's the most underrated player of the last twenty years, in my opinion. Again, he 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 basically won two Big Twelve titles if his defense mm-hmm. could just get one stop. I mean, they they wouldn't even have gone into overtime if if Caleb Levy just just grabs Blake Bell at all. And just waits for for reinforcements. He, he he Bell stepped over him like Allen Iverson stepped over Tyron Lue and just whiffed. I mean, oh God, I just Chelf to me is is very underrated. And I mean, he won some big games. He he blew out Baylor and Stillwater when Baylor was in the top five. Like those two Bedlam games, I thought he played really well. I mean, he, he but you're right. I think Gundy's inability Gundy's inability on quarterbacks, I think, will be a major part of his, of his career, because I actually had, I had a funny text from Marshall because uh, I guess Desmond Jackson, the running back doesn't practice well, but plays better in games. And he was texting me asking about, didn't Gunny say that about Whedon? I said, he absolutely said that about Whedon because there's no other reason to start Alex Kate. There's no other excuse rather to start Alex Kate over Brandon Whedon. And, and Marshall was like, Hey, Mason wouldn't have got beat out by Alex Kate just saying. And I'm just like, well, there's conspiracy theories out there, and I, I, I'll never understand the Alex Cade over Whedon decision, just like I'll never understand starting the 2013 year with Shelf and yanking him after, what, two series and putting Walsh in. That, Gundy's, Gundy's indecision on quarterback and, frankly, wrong decisions, I think, well, is and something we're always going to wonder about. Let me take you back to 09 in, in Norman, where Zach Robinson was hurt, couldn't throw the ball you know, more than five yards down the field. And Brandon Whedon is sitting there on the sidelines, having just come in and, you know, destroyed Colorado. Uh, I mean, there, there's another decision that Gundy whiffed on at quarterback. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, they, got, I, they got shut out. I mean, everyone that was there, I think, yeah. you know, I was there filming the game. I was working at KFOR at the time. And I started just shooting Whedon on the sideline. Just like, why? Like, just filming him. Like, is he warming up yet? Is he warming up yet? But now Gundy just... Took a took a shutout. So, but uh, Gunny's a great great coach. Goes without saying. We we all know these yes, things. It yes, wouldn't be it wouldn't be any fun if we didn't get to criticize uh, 
obvious mistakes at the, at the quarterback position. So Dave, before we get out of here, any other things stick out to you on the survey that I didn't touch on that you wanted to, you wanted to hit? Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess, yeah, let's wrap it up with, um, you know, Mike Holder. I, I asked people to kind of, uh, you know, assign him a letter grade for his career as an athletic director. I mean, this is not, uh, I wasn't really talking about him as, as a golf coach, but as, a, as an athletic director for 16 years as an AD. And the, the kind of average, you know, the overwhelming majority of the grades were, were A, A plus, A or A minus. But the, the kind of average, the kind of weighted average grade was an A minus. Um, and I just think, you know, it's important to point out, and this goes for Gundy as well, Gundy and, and Boone Pickens, that, you know, we are in, in this precarious time for OS, OSU athletics. We, we could easily, easily be a Kansas State right now, you know. Um, so the position that we're in is largely due to Mike Holder and his ability to get Boone Pickens to donate all that money and just generally to his vision for the you know entire athletic department. And while he did have a kind of prickly relationship with uh, Mike Gundy at times, um, I think, uh, you know, he deserves a lot of credit uh, for the position that we're in right now. So I wanted, I wanted, I did want to point out that kind of a lifetime achievement award for, for Holder, at least he gets an, an A grade from the fans. Yeah, fans were were pretty down on him with, you know, the the Eddie Sutton tenure, the Sean Sutton tenure, and obviously the Gundy tenure as well. But uh, and and Travis Ford too. I mean, he gave Ford. Oh yeah, the, the tenure deal stuck with them as well. But I, I'm with you, Dave. It, it's it's frankly scary to think where OSU would be right now without Holder's vision, without the money he was able to raise through Boone Pickens and other big time donors, because. Let's face it, o- OSU was in the dark ages in the 90s. You mentioned Lewis Field. They had this old rusty stadium. They had they had no athletic facilities to speak of. And, and that's where it's that's where it's interesting when when people try to bring up, you know, Oklahoma's the big the big bully down the street. Well, it's like and, and they want to bring up the Bedlam records. Well, o- Oklahoma State wasn't even attempting to win at football for 50 years. I mean, they weren't investing in it, they weren't right. cultivating it, they weren't paying coaches what they should be paid. I mean, it's it's frankly amazing where OSU is now, what they pay coaches and the facilities and everything. And that to me, that's a testament to Mike Holder. And I, I think he's, you, you mentioned the Mount Rushmore. I think he he has to be on it with what he's done with with not only the golf program, but his, his work as the AD. Yeah, no question. I need to go look back at the Mount Rushmore, but if he's not on it, he should be. Uh, yeah. no, no question about it. Totally agree. Well, Dave, this was fun. We'll, uh, We'll probably have to have you on during the season, get your takes on uh, on Spencer Sanders and how he's playing. But uh, we, we appreciate it. And I uh, always love your survey. You do a great job with it. And uh, really enjoyed speaking with you today. Me too. Thanks, Carson. All right. Get back to work. And get, that, right. uh, get that quote framed from, uh, from Barry while you're at it. <laughs> okay. I'll put it on the wall. All right. Thanks, Dave. That's the Pistols Firing Podcast. We'll be back with Colby Powell and next week. Enjoy your weekend.